0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by my good friend, Dr. Nadia Brown, and Nadia is an authentic, bold champion for women business owners and those women who desire to become business owners. She is the founder of Doyen Leadership Institute, LLC. Through her coaching and workshops, she helps women break through the glass ceilings they encounter in business by helping them build profitable and sustainable businesses. When it comes to sales, women come to her timid and shaky about going after the money. They leave her strategic, strong, emboldened, and most importantly, paid. She is the author of Leading Like a Lady, How to Shatter Your Inner Glass Ceiling, and lives with her husband Toby in Phoenix, Arizona. I've asked her to join us today so we can all become a little more strategic, strong, emboldened, and of course, more importantly, paid. Nadia, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing?
1: I'm wonderful. Thanks for having
0: me, Daryl. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. So uh, we were having some good chit-chat before the call, and I think we hit on a couple of really great things I'd love to get into at some point. But before we get into any of that stuff, I'd like to hear a bit about your background. Obviously, you're kind of a role model and example and even a leader for a lot of female entrepreneurs out there. But how did you even get started? Like, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Is this something like, do you come from a long line of business owners or how did you even get going?
1: No, actually, I did not come from a long line of entrepreneurs and I was raised to uh, go to college and get a job. (laughs) Follow the rules, Nadia. Right. I did that. So I did everything they told me to do. I went to college, obviously, a lot (laughs) and got a great job. And I was like, this isn't working. Mm. I wasn't happy. I couldn't understand why I couldn't be like everyone else, just go to work and be happy and satisfied and not always strive for more. So eventually, I left and ventured out on my own.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, what were like? What was your career? You left and started on your own. What did? How did you get started? What did you get going into? And what were you doing in the
1: corporate world? And you know, what kind of led you to
0: where you are today?
1: I bounced around quite a bit. So, um, I started out as an engineer in IT. So, my bachelor's degree is computer engineering. So, at one point, I literally worked in a basement with a bunch of machines. Um... And I moved around. I ended my career in financial services. At one point, I was also an adjunct professor in higher ed. So I did quite a bit in my career. And so when I left corporate, I decided that I wanted to work with women who were in those male-dominant industries, and they wanted to rise up through the ranks. Mm. Uh, So that's where I started. Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. So what were some of the biggest challenges for you in your business career?
1: <laughs> I think one of the biggest challenges was, one, my desire to hide out in my office. And I quickly learned that um, it's hard to build a business when no one knows you exist. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? You're like, mm, okay. And then the second one was around sales. Like, how do I build a profitable business if I don't ask for the money or I don't, I'm afraid to have those conversations? So, those were probably the biggest two for me getting started. So how did you overcome those? The first one was relatively easy. I hired a coach, and uh, one of the first things she looked at me and said, it was like, you belong on stage. And I was like, mm, no, I'm pretty sure I don't. But... <laughs> Turned out she was right. I was wrong. I uh, started speaking. And so I did a lot of speaking and traveling and on lots of stages, which helped the visibility. Um, And it did help in some ways with the revenue. But consistent revenue really required me to face that monster of overcoming the fear of rejection and those sorts of things. And so it took a little bit longer for that one to catch up with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just got to that point in my business where I was like, Nadia, you either have to figure this out or you just need to go back and get a job. job. So I wasn't willing to give up on my dream. So I did what I had to do to get good at sales. Got it. Okay. So what would you do to get good at sales? Well, I took lots of training. So I did a couple different trainings with uh, different people to learn the skills. But as we both know, it's not just the skills, it's also the mindset. And then I actually supported a team where I was doing sales. So I had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations and be in that um, position to just be told no a lot (laughs) and but it gave me an opportunity to build my muscle in a relatively short amount of time and so then I realized you know what Nadia it's really not that hard like you're just having conversations like you've been making this way harder than it has to be
0: Yeah, I think that's a real thing. I think there's a lot of people that build up, like, fear, was it, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. Yeah. Because people, they go to get on the phone or they go to sit in front of the person and they they do it to themselves. They get all psyched out, like, oh my God, you know, and they just, they totally, they defeat themselves. I come from a martial arts background and I've seen that with students of mine where they would want to go compete in, like, the annual tournament or something. And I'd see, not just my students, but other people's students. First, I just, because I like winning, I want to say that I had some great students and we brought home a ton of gold medals. I even and took someone that had no background experience and in eight months was brought home two gold medals at Provincials. So just to say that for four months. But you could see sometimes in matches when two guys would get on the mat or two girls, size each other up, one person mentally is already lost. You could just see it. Like they stare each other down and one person, you just see they seem more timid and afraid of the other person. So they're already on their heels and the fight hasn't even started yet. Yep. So I think that that part's a really, really big thing about it. The same is true in sales. I see people do it all the time. Right. So how do you deal with your Mindset, because is it like a one thing, like you flip the switch and now you're done? You're like, oh, that was
1: great. I'm glad I
0: got that taken care of. On with the rest of my life. Or is it something you constantly have to work at?
1: It's a constant thing. It's so funny. I wish it were that easy, but I think, you know, even though now I teach sales and I help clients, you know, deal with that. um, There are days when I don't want to have sales conversations. There are days when I don't want to pick up the phone. I just don't want to go through the process. Um, And so I think it's uh, it's a day-by-day kind of thing to just, like you said, deal with it. Or maybe you're up-leveling, so now you're charging new prices. Like, there's always something new to challenge yourself. Um, But I think, you know, it's just thinking back on those times when you won and you faced the monster, if you will, and you defeated it. And you're like, if I did it, then I could do it now. And so just having those minders. Got it. Got it. Do you have like a
0: ritual or routine that you do or use? Like, how do you how do you pull yourself out of that funk?
1: Um, I love to take some time in the mornings before I dive into my day uh, to have some quiet time. And then if I need to, I'll have a dance party. So I'll be here in my office and I'll crank up the music really loud. Most of the time I'm home by myself. I just, yeah, I crank it up and I just have a good old-fashioned dance party. And I'm like, all right, Nadia, let's do it. Let's get in here and do it.
0: Party of one. Yes. (laughs) Whatever. As long as it works for you. So is that what you recommend for people that are starting out or struggling?
1: I would recommend that, one, um, get help. I think one of the things, especially when you're starting out or even struggling, especially when it comes to certain things like money, like money is one of those taboo topics, there's a lot of shame or embarrassment, and so people are afraid to reach out for help. So if there's a coach or a mentor or someone out there that can help you, get support. And if you have rituals and things that you can do to really get you in the right mindset, then definitely do it. But sometimes we just need someone there cheering us on, like that coach just remind us, like, okay, you got this you can do this Mm -hmm. here take this step now take the next step sometimes and there's nothing wrong with that like we all need support at different times
0: Mm. yeah that's that actually is really important so um all right so then what do you see are some of the greatest mistakes you see your clients and other entrepreneurs making
1: Oh, I think one, especially, I don't know so much for guys. I think guys are a little bit better at this than women, but sometimes I see us just try to take on too much. So we're trying to do way too many things at one time and you can get really bogged down and off focus. And then the other thing is taking your eyes off of revenue. Mm. You can Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. There are a lot of things, as you know, that we could do in our businesses to make ourselves feel really great at the end of the day. Like I did a lot <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> right? Right. I
0: cleaned. I worked on my logo. I wrote this email. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wrote a blog. I now have a funnel. Like there are all these things that we can do, but are those activities generating the revenue? And I think that that's one of the things that is really easy sometimes with all the distractions that we have to take our eyes off of the revenue and our goals that we want to achieve.
0: That's awesome. So when we talked about this before, so you were just at a conference and can you maybe, cause we already started, but what happened? You were at a conference and there was like a lady and she what, she, she, she was mad. Can you kind of explain the scenario?
1: Oh my gosh. I was at this conference um, and it ended up being an all female was all women. And I was talking to a woman who was really just, she was not feeling this whole sales thing <laughs> and she was really just pissed off. <laughs> about sales and looking at different people in our industry, um, especially coaches who who have done really well for themselves. And she just kept talking about cracking the code and there had to be some trickery. And it was just really fascinating to watch this whole buildup of almost like us versus them. Like there was this whatever. Um, And I think some of it was just this notion that if you've been successful, then you somehow gotten it, you know, in a way that wasn't ethical. Um, and we we do know people that have obviously done things that wasn't right, and they've right. been very successful. But I don't think it's universal for everyone. Um, so it's was really fascinating to watch the conversations around this. A lot of the fear around having sales conversations, or really putting you know ourselves out there. Um, but at the same time, we're all entrepreneurs, and you can't have a business if you don't sell. Mm. It was really interesting around this, the anger. There was a lot of anger towards people who are successful. Towards people who may do it away in a way that you don't agree with. But that just means you just don't buy from them. Like you have the you totally have the right to say no. So yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I've been doing a lot of Facebook Lives lately to just try and connect my own audience. I I love doing these podcasts, but I love hearing from the people, the listeners, the person that's probably listening to this right now. I love hearing about them and their business and their stories. And I was doing a Facebook Live and the question that someone had asked me was, what if I, as a business owner, want to stay in the office and service the customer because that is what I'm good at and want to hire someone to go out and bring in the sales, but I don't have the money to hire that person. What do I do then? (laughs) You know, and I, in, in that answer, I think you already know where this is going, right? But I was like, you may want to just look into getting a job. <laughs> because when you look up the word entrepreneur in a dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. It doesn't say the person who answers the phone, mops the floor, does, this, you know, makes the sales, delivers the service, the product or the phone. So I said, you know, it's okay if that's what you want to do, but you have to find someone that can do the sales, you know, and the less training you have, the more of the sale they're going to want because they have to figure that out, which is something I kind of want to ask you about that because it's my understanding and all my experiences you have to have experience in how to make the sales before you can really train somebody else on how to do that right you have to be able to provide them with tools and here's how I usually handle these objections and here's maybe some recordings of past calls that I've done things like that and if you can't do that I mean if it's a soccer team you can hire someone to be goalie if you don't want to be goalie then put someone in as goalie but if the goalie sucks and they let a bunch of goals in your team still fails like as an owner you are responsible at the end of the day for everything Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like when people get angry about sales like this lady, it's like they they don't quite get what a business is, and they just think that what they do is more valuable than it is. And unfortunately, you know, cleaning the carpet or paving the driveway or driving the person from A to B, some people might think that's the most valuable thing, but actually the most difficult thing is finding the people who need the help and are willing to pay for it. And so that's a huge, valuable lesson right there. I mean, you don't need to drive the taxi. If you own the phone number that people call and you've put in the work that everybody calls that phone number when they need to be driven somewhere, you don't have to drive the Ever. car, right? That's right. how Uber <laughs> owns Yeah. So it's like for this person that asked that question, what do I do then? I said, you know, well, you need to figure that out. And maybe can you speak to that? Like, what does somebody do in that scenario? They've got a product or service. They're maybe like, you know, they've got up and down sales. They haven't really refined their sales process and they want to try to onboard more people to help grow sales. Would you recommend they do that? Where do you recommend they start? You know, how would you handle that sort of scenario? That's a
1: great question. One of the things that I provide for clients is sales support. So they can hire me and my team to come in and do that. Or, I can help them train and onboard their team. But for the person that you just described, I would say they need more time to figure it out. Like you just need to get out there and face the monster. I don't think that hiring a sales team or bringing in someone is the workaround for not dealing with your own fear. Because like you said, you have to know to be able to speak to the challenges, the questions, the objections, the process. Like it's more than just the conversation. And if you're just doing it out of fear, then that's a completely different conversation than one like like I've been doing this, I've built it up to this point, I have way more calls coming in that I can humanly possibly, you know, can Mm -hmm, handle mm -hmm. completely different position. Um, And then that person can also afford to bring on a team. Um, And so I say, just go out there and do it. Like, I almost feel like it's a rite of passage as an entrepreneur to get out there and be rejected (laughs) and keep getting back up. Like, okay, yep, you said no. All right. Why did you say no? Let's refine the process and keep going versus like you said, just being like, oh, well, I don't want to deal with my fear. So let's just pass this off to someone else. I would agree with you. Go get a job. That you know, that's what jobs do. They have a team that does the sales. It brings in the people and you get to do your thing, whatever your thing is, and they pay you and it's great. It's a great arrangement for those Mm -hmm. that want to do it. So, and
0: if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of what helps is to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And what I mean is that to understand sales, it's not a battle. It's not a contest where you show up and they show up and one's going to emerge victorious and the other one's going to emerge as a loser. I think that that's part of what really trips people up. You have to understand that it's a conversation and a process. It's like growing a plant or raising an animal or, you know, if no one's got a green thumb and they don't have any pets, it's even like dust collecting in your room. Like if you don't maintain it, if it's a car, pick something if you don't maintain it over time like there's more than just the one-time event you know obviously when you sit down it really really can decide did I make the sale yes or no and you can kind of like don't want to give yourself the excuse of the out that like oh I'll get them next time I'll get them next time but the reality is that some people need a few visits a few phone calls and it's a process it's a conversation and it's okay to talk with people about that to come from that place of being a stern but loving parent uh, and again please correct me if in any place if I misspeak But I think that if people take a look at it from a growth point of view, where if you're just getting on the phone and really trying to get the person to open up to you and share with you what their pain is and what the problem is, and oftentimes people, when they tell you what the problem is, they have to go three layers deep, right? right? But really, it's always three or four layers deep because people be like, oh, well, 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 fine, I'll use my relative. So his legs hurt. Well, why do your legs hurt? Well, because they're swollen because I've been moving so much. Okay, well, why are they swollen? Why have you been moving so much? Well, you know, I've, I've been sitting down a lot. Okay, well, why have you been sitting a lot? Well, I've been drinking a lot. Like all of a sudden, now we get to what the real issue is, right? And in that simple analogy, you can see if you just went from the superficial, oh, you got some leg pain? Oh, okay. Oh, your legs are swollen because your liver's shot. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you start <laughs> getting to the... The real problem, and you have to understand that's the conversation, and and until people will open that up and tell you that, it's really hard. You know what I mean? Like, you're not in Uh yet. You're not in. Once you get in, now you can really be like loving and caring and like, look, you need to do this. This is what really it's really going to take to get you where you want to go. And it might cost some money, but let's look at your alternative. like maybe not look at it as selling, but as in consulting people to the best solution for that.
1: I like, you know, I love what you said about growth mindset and I liken it to, um, you always this example of relationships. You're building a relationship with your clients and they may not say yes today, but you know, and part of the process when I train is is ask a lot of questions. Like sometimes we go in and we talk way too much. We think we know everything. And like you said, we go at surface level. And I tell people, slow it down, ask questions. And you just sit and listen and let people tell you because sometimes they need time to talk it out. So I loved your example. Let's go a few more layers because there's something more Uh to it tell you more about that um and even if they don't say yes in that conversation like you said it's not win lose you just kick them to the curb no you continue to build a relationship and you create a process where you check back in maybe they need it three or four months maybe they need it two days you just never know but if you're only focused on did I get the sale today or that's the end of our relationship then you're creating an environment that's really going to be tough to build on and it's almost hostile, right? right? Like
0: either you're in or you're out. You're lesser with them. And it really does come with treating people with love and care. I mean, if you think about it again, if someone was suffering from arthritis, and you knew there was a supplement or you knew there was an exercise routine that cured 90% or even 100% or even if only 70% people of it. And this person is suffering and they were just, you know, and they were really in a bad spot, negative thinking, you know, just like, you just overwhelmed, you know, overwhelmed and frustrated and all the baggage that can come with that you would be a stern but loving parent you know what i mean and you would coax them on now you do need to set time limits and that you can't have an open window right. can't be an endless timeline like hey like you know i'm gonna sit like you have to keep it punchy because there has to be incentive for them to act because that's the other thing is some people will just sit there and they'll just take up your whole damn day right, <laughs> right? so you have to try to and you know you have to make a, a meaningful progress and reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. If you're not making reasonable progress or meaningful progress in a reasonable amount of time, it's best to just, you know, I'll check back with you you know, leave some resources to help. So what are some of the, when you talked about that, you said focus and taking their eyes off revenue are the two biggest things that the clients that you have and the entrepreneurs in general that you see mistakes are making. So how do you, what do you recommend to help keep people focused? And what do you recommend to have people keep their eyes on revenue? Well, I
1: recommend a couple of things. I love having accountability partners mm-hmm. and tracking your money. I think some of us, and I see this more so with women, um, we don't pay attention to the dollars. <laughs> We're just like out here doing our thing. I just love all my clients mm-hmm. and really not keeping an eye on that. And so what I've done is I created an, uh, a Google spread that there's nothing sexy about this at all. It's on.
0: But it works. That's pretty sexy.
1: Right? <laughs> it's Nothing. It is a basic spreadsheet, but I share it with my accountability partner and it tracks my revenue. So I know that there's someone other than me that has the potential of looking at my number. Like, I don't think she ever looks at it, but I know that she could, should she decide like, what the heck is Nadia over there doing with her money? It was coming in. And so every time you know you close a deal, it helps to keep track of that. And so I think that that's a big piece of it is to be intentional about paying attention to those areas. And then the other thing is getting support. You know, if that's something that you know, you're not great at, then build your team. Stop trying to be all things to all people. And sometimes we are not that great at the money piece. So you hire someone, a financial planner or whoever you need to help with that um, versus just being stuck in the mud. So.
0: Mm. What well, you just said there for me identifies employee mindsets versus owner mindsets because when you're an owner mindset, you don't mind hiring people to get accomplished goals, right? right? There's only so many hours in a day, you can't get everything done yourself, so you're going to need help. Or sometimes you have people, like a great example is, I've had a girl on my team for probably about eight years now, and she started off with me, I think I was paying her two bucks an hour, she was overseas, and she was just posting on Craigslist and Kijiji for me. Kijiji is a Canadian version of Craigslist, that's all That's all it is. And it was for my martial arts school, back in the day. And her English wasn't very good, but, you know, I mean, it was copy-pasting, it wasn't very, you know, it wasn't very complicated. But she's been with me for eight years now, or her pay's multiplied a few times times over you know I've invested a lot in training her because she's got a ton of potential and so she's extremely valuable and she's just proven that she's likable she's teachable and she's very reliable those are three things that most employers have a hard time finding so for me that's worth it to invest in her now if there's something that comes up now I have her help with some of my social media stuff but that wasn't her expertise now she did do some work because I wasn't keeping her employed full-time so she was getting training elsewhere but she wasn't where I wanted her to be so I invested in coaching and training and products for her as a person to develop her in that respect and so as an entrepreneur I feel like that's a mindset that people can grow into role you know and as a caveat to that I'm against hiring people knowing I will have to train them it's almost a pet peeve I just happened yesterday people are like hey are you are you hiring anyone and I was like well what do you do and they're like well what are you looking for and I'm like no this isn't it this isn't a buffet <laughs> like I'm not gonna let you like oh I can do that like really like what's your superpower tell me what your superpower is and then if i need that i'll hire you do you know what i mean like if anything i try not to tell people what i I mean with a job posting sometimes you have to but i really do i want like tell me about yourself what do you enjoy what's your psychic income like what gets you hot like what you know what what invigorates you what kind of work do you love doing because i'd rather you know the physical income of course you can get paid physically what's the psychic income you know i don't want to just be you know what i mean and i think that that's a really 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 important thing um and so but an employee mindset is that it's just the way it is and you know you got to do what you can with what you got and it's almost like I got to cut corners and cut expenses and you know like the scarcity mind like this fixed income mentality and I think that's a huge difference between an entrepreneur and someone you know that just shows up and clocks in clocks out and goes home and it just becomes content with their lot in life which is a powerful thing in and of itself yeah. I think that that's, you know, not living in the future, not being like, I'll be happy there. I think there is power in that, but I think I'm...
1: No, and I agree with what you said. Um, I think too, sometimes we limit our growth because we're the bottleneck. We're trying to do too many things. Whereas if I were to hate, like you said, whether it's my social media, I suck at social media. It's not my thing. I want my social media to be just social. Like if I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm liking stuff like that works for me, but that's clearly not going to grow my business.
0: Yeah. It's not going to move the needle for your business.
1: So... I need to have someone on my team that's an expert in that and they can and really leverage and run with it. And I think that's huge when we just we're like, nope, I'm going to try to do all these things myself. Or like you said, if I'm only looking at it being a fixed resource versus how can I get the return on my investment? And if I do bring this person onto my team, how can they help me to get to my goals faster?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that. Like, I just hired a coach recently for ten grand US, but it's to help them relaunch something that I already made seven grand off of. So if I did seven grand with something that I kind of did half-assed, you know, it's not a method that I'm very well versed in. I got some experience, you know, yada yada yada. I did seven grand. Take the ten grand. That's fr- it's basically free right <laughs> because you're right. Like this is, this is going to be the best deal of the century, but some people, oh my gosh, it's 10 grand. Oh my. But I'm like, no, I'm going to pay the 10 grand. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to make at least seven. Like I did seven grand last time. I'm probably going to do at least seven grand this time. And if I have this person, you know what I mean? And they're holding me accountable and they've done it before and they've done over 5 million with this sort of thing. Like it's, I'm buying money at a discount here. Take the 10 grand. I'm going to make 50, a hundred, a million dollars off you in your help. So that mentorship thing is, is important. There's a great uh, analogy for focus as well that I want to say for the listeners right now and that's follow one course until successful. F-O-C-U-S. Follow one course until successful because like you said, a lot of entrepreneurs can have that ADHD, right? Where they're left and they're right and all that sort of stuff. I think that's really, 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 really powerful. Absolutely. So sorry, you have an accountability partner. You've got your revenue sheet it holds you accountable because you know someone's looking over your shoulder at it. What are some other habits that you feel that some of your best clients and the most successful entrepreneurs that you know I
1: pick up the phone. I'm not afraid to talk to people. I know that there's a lot of technology that I leverage. I love, like I said, social media to let somebody else manage that, email marketing, um, all these different things that we can do. And I also pick up the phone and I talk to people. And my clients do the same. They're finding that. They also track it in their courage diary. So they have this tool that now when are you picking up the phone? What are people saying? So you're also getting a lot of great real-time feedback as well from people. So you're talking to real people. You're talking your revenue. You're learning your Close ratio, like how many no's for your guests. There's so much value in really picking up the phone, and it's sometimes a lot faster than leveraging some of the other tools and processes that we use in business.
0: mm mm mm, mm. Picking up the phone. You mean you actually talk to people? I do.
1: What? You actually
0: talk to your customers? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Such a crazy concept. I know. <laughs> Wait, what? Right? Well, I mean, if that's a surprise for anybody, you just understand, all a company is is a group of people solving the problem of another group of people via a product or service, one at a time. Mm That's really it. You might learn to do them in batches or you might schedule them so you can do a bunch in a day, but it's one at a time and it's one group helping another group. So when you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, it's not person who answers the phone, mops the floor, cleans the toilet, does the taxes, makes sales, delivers the product. Not what it is at all. So your role is to organize the team. Your role is to be the project manager, the team leader, the organizer, the big kahuna, the chief. Right? The I don't know. I'm trying to think of some women words, leader words. The the queen, there you go, <laughs> the queen. You gotta we got he's and she's and in betweens listening to this call it's so true. want to make sure we cover the whole spectrum. But your job is to be the ringleader, you know, and the leader, and that's it. And so you can do the roles you like and and not do the roles you don't like. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for the performance of everybody. So if you can't help them, you need to get someone that can help you train your team. It's just like a hockey team or a baseball team or a soccer team or a football team. You know, if your team sucks and is the last one in the league, you need help, right? Even if you're in the middle, if you're set on winning the championship, you need help. And you're not going to do what you've always done, get what you always got right yeah. so, that's really powerful so what do you think is one of some of the best advice you ever got
1: for yourself some of the best advice and also is one of my favorite quotes it came from my granny and she said anything worth having is worth fighting for ooh Right. Even with your business or your dreams or whatever relationships, it doesn't matter what it is, but and we all have those moments of disappointment or things don't go the way we thought they would, but is it worth fighting for? How bad do you want it? And so I really take that to heart, especially on those days when I'm looking at my business, like why exactly am I doing this? Like a job would be so much easier. And I just remind myself that this is worth the fight.
0: Right. Winston Churchill, when he was prime minister of the UK, he went to the school and they asked him to speak. And the whole speech, from my understanding, and I think it's a great story, is he just stood up and he said, never, ever, 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 ever give up. I love it. And sat down. <laughs> that was it. The that end. Was, that was the speech. The end. <laughs> And so when people are like, well, I haven't made the sale yet. And so that's where they say you market to your prospects until they buy or die, mm-hmm. you know. And, it, you know, obviously it's a little bit like green eggs and ham from Dr. Seuss. Like, would you eat it in a house? Would you eat it with a mouse? Would you eat it here or there? Right. But it's also trying to make your, what you're offering a better fit for them. Yeah either by actually making adjustments to what you're doing or by breaking it up, splintering pieces of it off or partnering with other people and coming up with deals. I mean, ideally you want to get away. I mean, this is a bit of a slippery slope. There's a great book called Built to Sell and that's about having a standard service offering where you only do this. You don't do everything under the sun. You're very specific in what you do and what you don't do because then you can train other people on doing it. So that way you can get out and focus on managing the team and growing the business. And you can't do that if you're doing some solutions for everyone right. so you have to be willing to turn business away but on the flip side when you've got prospects right you don't want to just give up on them you don't want to harass them hound them you know and that's where if people are upset whoa okay i'm gonna leave you alone for a while but you need to find indirect ways like if you're calling someone and you call them four or five times and they just don't seem interested then maybe you shouldn't call them but hey maybe send them a postcard in a couple yeah hours, you know with a coupon or maybe target them online with some ads or you know like stuff like that but again it's tactful it's dealing with people yeah. So I love that you like getting on the phone because, I mean, some of the most successful people I know in business and in sales, they started with door-to-door sales or telephone sales. In fact, one of the guys that sold me so well, unfortunately, I don't – well, anyways, we won't go down that road. But I I was in awe of this guy. He used to watch the shopping network all the time, Mm -hmm. and he cut his teeth doing phone sales for some – I don't know the company. But he got so good at it, and now you can leverage that with technology today. I mean, you can have a tele-seminar and have hundreds of people on there. You can do a webinar have hundreds of people in there. You can speak on stage. Sure, that's one to 20. But you got to, it starts off with knowing how to do the one. If you can't sell one person, you can't sell four or five at a time. Can't sell four or five at a time. You can't sell 20, 30 at mm-hmm. a time. You got to crawl and then walk and then Yep, run. I agree. So what do you think are some of the future trends of sales in the industry? There's all sorts of technology coming out, and there's all these fancy gadgets and tools. Where do you really see things kind of going? I
1: see people going back to, kind of like what you were saying, going back to some of the basics. And I love technology. like I love technology. But I see it as a tool, and I think sometimes we try to use it as a way to hide. And so um, definitely, you know, like you said, picking up the phone, building relationships. Um, maybe you really going back old school and wooing your clients. Like, what if you took them out to lunch? Like, what about that? So I think that there's going to be more of that in some ways and less of the just throwing a bunch of stuff at people with no real connection. Like, I think clients, our clients are looking for that connection. And how can we give that to them while we service them?
0: mm. So having real yeah, so having real bonds, real connection, actually caring about them and who they are and what they're about and what wow. You know, it's almost like you're out to like help somebody. That's so crazy. Right? <laughs> it's right? it such a weird care. <laughs> Such a weird concept. I mean, but that's really what it comes down. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so I think what's really resonating for me for your approach is be willing to have conversations, be willing to be rejected, be willing to not be a good fit, be focused on helping them. Get yourself out of the picture. It's not about you. It's about them. Get yourself in a good mindset because people don't want to deal with people who are grumpy and in a bad mood and stuff. So you got to start off in a good mood, right? Otherwise, you're just bringing rain into someone's day and that's just setting you up for failure. So if you show up and you're a bit of sunshine in someone's day or a positive, of beat in their, you know, in in the rhythm of their day, they'll at least get lend you an ear and then get a conversation going and talk about and then try and get a few layers deep, you know, and if they ask and they try to flip it at you answering questions, start public, because that's something you do have to control the conversation a little bit with questions, which means having a goal. Mm -hmm. Look, I know you're busy. I don't want to waste a lot of your time, but I want to ask about blank. Because I'm really passionate about blank and I came here because I wasn't really sure. You know, I mean just think of it, like I remember when I was a line to come back from the Philippines and I saw a couple with their dog on a leash and they had like a kennel, like a, the crates, and they were lining up and it was like the chicken in your bag before you go get on go through security, get your anal probed <laughs> and then get on the plane. They're just getting crazy with security these they days. They are. And I had gone through a ton of hassle with my dog. And so when I went over, obviously I didn't have anything to sell, but I didn't just go, have you done your research? Because for me, it was a really uh, stressful procedure. To get the paperwork to bring my dog when I did do it, and I hadn't done it that time because of it. So I just asked, I was like, hey, so and I was petting a dog, hey, I'm okay if I pet your dog like I miss mine. You know, and I just started to ask, like, have you guys done this before? Like, you know, are you familiar? And I just asked a ton of questions and just sincerely curious. And if I had something to sell, it would have been really easy for me. But they already had everything covered. And so that was an opportunity when I asked them, I actually learned something from them. And so now, you know, next time I go back, I'll bring my dog and I found an easier way to do it. But that's where, again, as a sales rep, just have that conversation. Look, I'm just curious want to make sure you're doing things the right way. You know, I just want to help. And it's that stern, beloved parent thing. Again, if someone's suffering from arthritis, if you really believe in what they do and they seem to just blow you off, just show up again. You know, hey, all right, I'll get out of here today. Let me come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what it is. And if you're not in an industry that's making you enough money to do that sort of thing, then you maybe need to consider selling something else. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you're like, you're spending all this time chasing down people and you're only making 50 bucks, you know, then that could be tough. And you get paid in relation to the size of the problems you solve. Absolutely. That's something I say, like, if your only problem is, oh, I got to get across town. Well, you can walk. You can get a bike for a couple hundred bucks. I'm lazy. I don't want to have to work so hard myself. Okay. Well, you could share transportation with a bunch of other people and it only costs a few dollars. And that's called public transportation. It'll get you there, Mm -hmm. right? You will not have to work so hard, but it won't be a direct route. Well, I want to go more directly. Okay, well, you can pay someone to drive you there, right? You can get a cab or an Uber or whatever. Yeah, okay, but I want to be able to come and go at my place. Well, then you can rent a car. I want to actually have it and, you know, long-term and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, then you can buy a car. And each of these are greater price points as you go up. And so, again, for anyone listening to this, if they don't feel that there's enough money to be made in what they're doing, then perhaps you need to sell a higher-priced product or you need to align yourself with other businesses and cross-sell. And that way you can share warmer prospects. So you don't have to dig so hard. You don't have to fight so hard for the sale. You know, if you're someone that installs pools, maybe you can refer business back and forth to lifeguards. Lifeguards of people in the pool. You know, you're here every day of the week. Have you ever thought getting a pool in your backyard? (laughs) I know it sounds big and expensive, but you don't have to dig a big hole. Let me just send you over to Jerry. And, you know, Jerry can give you a quote, talk about some things. You know, just you can practice some of the stuff you do in the pool because, you know, some days you don't want to come all this way, blah, 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 blah. You share people back and forth. Yeah. And that might be a better way to share warmer
1: leads and traffic to not fight so hard. That is so good. I think we're going to see more of that too, Daryl.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I think the people are realizing that, yes, I could do a lot of stuff on my own. And like you said, but we could do a lot of stuff together when it's a good fit and it makes sense. How can we better service clients together? Um, and so I'm starting to see that in some of my circles where people are like, you know, you're really good at this. I'm really good at this. But together... You know, Mm. and it's working, so. Mm, mm,
0: Mm-mm-mm. So, do you have a process that you walk people through in helping develop like refine their sales process or identify how to qualify leads better or, you know, like is there is there a step like where should people start? If people are listening to this and they're like, well, obviously I want to make more sales and I like everything that they're saying, where do I look at my business and my like where do they start? Where should they focus? Like, should they focus on generating more leads? Should they focus on, you know, talking to past customers? Where where do you think they should begin? I
1: usually tell my clients to start by picking up the phone. Um, it- And it depends on where they are in their business. So some, the biggest challenge is they just need to generate more leads. Um, They don't have enough data just yet to figure out where to necessarily make a lot of the changes. And um, there are those that have customers and they're like, okay, what do I need to do? So depending on where they are, I would say just start picking up the phone. So start by talking to past clients or talking to people that you think might be a good fit for your core offer. And I tell them, just go down, go through. Most of us can go through ourselves phones and easily get 100 people. Um, Mm. Or you can look at your social media, like we're connected to a lot of people. So but it's a matter of being willing to pick up the phone and let people know what you're doing. And then ask the question of who do they know that might be a good fit. So they might be the good fit, or someone they know might be a good fit. Um, So that's typically where I have most people start, especially if they don't have enough leads, and they're not having enough conversations. Mm. some of my more advanced clients like one of my newer clients we just started working together within the past week or so she's like she's at that point she's been at it for years so she knows how to do the sales she's generating a revenue she's like Nadia the problem where I'm becoming a bottleneck is because I'm also doing some of the fulfillment and I'm wearing the hat of CEO I'm managing all these people on my team I don't have the time now to go back and have all these conversations whether it's with new prospects or even past clients to see how I can best support. Them And so that's where I come in and I'm like, well, I can do that for you. I can support you in that way. So it really depends on where they are, where I would tell them to start. But a lot of it, for most people, it's they're just not having enough conversations. So how do you generate more leads, whether it's speaking or, or lies or leveraging technology, but a lot of times we can do that by just picking up the phone, pick up the phone, mm-hmm.
0: pick up the phone, talk to past clients. Mm-hmm. And talk to potential prospects. Tell them what you're doing. Ask if they know anyone that may benefit from it. Have a conversation about it. Ask them about their situation related to what you do. Get three layers deep. Stay focused on helping them. Find out what their goals are. Because this is the other thing that I think a lot of people get wrong with sales is that you can't really convince anyone. Like you can't sell ice to an Eskimo right? Which isn't, which isn't the tech, you can't sell ice to an Inuit person, right? I should know that because my brother's actually up there right now. Oddly enough, he's way north Canada in a like the northernmost city building houses right now. So you can't do that sort of thing. You know, you have to tap into an existing desire. And I think if there's any secret to sales, that's probably it. You can't create desire in someone. You have to tap into something that's already there. And so you have to find the group of people with the desire and then tap into it, tap into the people and get them to know, like, can trust you and then they'll join your you know it's like if you guys are going on a road trip and there's five cars and people are picking which car to go in right you can't convince people to go somewhere they're already going that way you just now have to talk to them oh oh you you know you're really sensitive to temperature well check it out i love having the car nice and cool you know come on hop my car you know like find that and there's you know and there's going to be something for everybody More people will choose the best one. If there's not something for everyone, they'll go for the one that's the closest fit for them. You know, and so just be honest and even be willing to be honest about your flaws and shortcomings. Mm-hmm. You know, set expectations really well up front. You're better to under-promise and over-deliver than to over-promise and fall short because that'll only shoot you in the, le- especially in this day and age. When people go to buy stuff, they go online, they look up reviews. First, they do the research and all the options available. They narrow it down to a couple that they think they're interested in and then they go through all the different reviews. They want to see what people have experienced when they come out on the other end. And then after they start shopping around for coupon codes and promo codes and discounts. Yep. And then, it depends on the situation, there has to be some sort of urgency or scarcity event. I got to get in because the promo ends soon, or man, I got to go in because my car's not running and I got this trip. There's got to be some like looming deadline over their head somehow, and you can manufacture that as a business owner by having regular promotions and bundles, and I encourage people to make bundles and add value versus discounting, because you don't want to discount too often. I mean, think about when you go to the grocery store, you're like, oh, I should get some tomatoes, wait, I'll wait till they go on sale. You don't want to have people do that with your business, Absolutely. right? Absolutely don't discount as much as you can avoid it and just follow that formula I think that's a fantastic little checklist idea that you gave people now is there anything that we I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about sales about how to do this well Hmm.
1: one thing I did want to point out because you talked about being able to tap into the desire and I think sometimes we've been taught to really focus on pain and all of that good stuff and you know there are people that really love that and others that it causes them to you know their hackles raise Hmm. Um, but I think to your point like you said we're dealing with a much more savvy buyer in terms of just the access that we have to information these days. And so a lot of times by the time we talk to someone, they're already aware of their pain. But to your point, We don't really need to tap dance on the pain. They're talking to us about it. It's focusing on building the relationship, building the connection, the know, like and trust factor, but also really focusing on that desire. And are you willing or do you have the desire to face the pain and move past it so that you can get to what it is that you say you desire in that big vision? And so I think it's really key. So like you said, I can't convince anyone of anything. Are you willing to do the work and are you ready to take the actions? And do you trust me to be the one to help you get there?
0: Mm, 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 mm. You know, and there's something about just being active, like the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I think that's something we should mention as well, because Mm -hmm. for the people that are self-conscious and, you know, concerned about that, but some of the best people that you may think they're better than you out there, are they available for that person? Are they able and willing and there to help them at that point in time? Do you know what I mean? Like there's people that are like, oh, but so-and-so has a TV show and they're so much better. Yeah, but so-and-so can't fulfill everybody. And so, you know what? You're the runner up. You know, you can either be happy about it and collect the money or you can just be self, like, you know, just feel sorry for yourself and get no experience. Because the one thing you did mention about how you got good was that you got a ton of practice in, right? Mm Mm-hmm you got a ton of practice. You supported a team doing sales and you got a ton of practice in. And so, I mean, it's just about getting out there. And so sure, there might be a better, and, the, and somewhere in the middle of nowhere in India, there may be some yogi who's connected with the rest of the universe and yada, 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 you know, and all this sort of stuff. And they may be better than you, but guess what? That's not available to the person that's on the phone with you right now. Right, More, you your know.
1: bank account never asked, were you runner up or were you first place, Nadia? It was like, well, you know what, cha-ching, right? So I think sometimes- To your point, our egos get in the way way too much. (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean,
0: I've been in, I remember I was in a coaching group while well, a long time ago now, now I run more coaching groups than I joined, but I was in a coaching group and there was a guy, he was um, a marriage counselor and, you know, he was really convinced that he needed more schooling and training and education to be able to grow his business. That's how he thought. He was like, yeah, but if I get certified in this, you know, I'll be able to do this for people. And we're like, well, wait a minute, you've already gotten like seven years of schooling in, right? Like slow down, cowboy. <laughs> you already got like seven years of schooling in. And right now where we, we were in Jersey at the time and where we are in Jersey, how how many couples are there in an eight-block radius that you could help with the knowledge you have right here, right now, today? And he goes, oh, well, probably a few hundred because there's all these massive buildings, right? And we're like, okay. And how many do you need to have a full practice? And he's like, you know, a 200 would be a really busy, like that would keep me busy. So we're like, all right, you don't need more training, more skills, and education. You already got enough to help everybody. In the uh, land of the one eye in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Mm-hmm. You know. So you don't have to be the best out there. You just have to be better than the other options around you and then be focused on continually improving. And that's something that everybody, your product, because everything's growing and moving forward. So you constantly got to be R&D is just a fact of life and business. If you're not, you're just going to one day wake up in your product and your service and you are going to be out you know but that is something i wanted to say just to our the point that we've been making here you know that you're worth it you're good yeah. enough the fact that you're even interested in helping people puts you in the running if you're sincere with your intentions you deserve a chance and so you know just get on the phone just pick up the phone just pick up yeah. the phone right and then when you get really good at the phone stuff you can start doing things like trying to scale it getting on stages hosting teleseminars and running ads and such to get hundreds of people to sign up, doing webinars where now you can sell to one to many in scale. And then the beautiful thing is then you can automate some of those with technology and now you can get to enjoy some of the luxuries. But to get there, you have to get the groundwork going. Absolutely. So well done. So, is there anything else that we should talk? I'm really glad you brought that up because I think there was some juicy gems in there. People listening to this may want to listen to the interview a couple more times just to make sure because we covered a lot of really, really, really good foundational stuff. That I think it doesn't matter what level of business you're at, whether you're new and you've never made a dollar, whether you've kind of been making some money and you can't support yourself, whether you're earning an income off your business but you wish it could grow, or whether you're balling. I think this call had something for everyone. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? Well, I
1: just wanted to share how people could connect with me. One of, of the resources that I did mention um, was the Courage Diary. And so if they're interested in going, they can download a complimentary copy, leverage that in their business. Just go to couragediary.com and enter their information and that'll be there for them. Um, and then if anyone's interested, okay, Dr. Nadia, like you said, you guys talked about a ton of stuff. You know, how can you support me? You can schedule time for us to chat and you can just head on over to meetwithdrnadia.com.
0: There we go. So we had the. Sorry, help me. The Courage Diary. Yes, Courage Diary. Right, Courage Diary dot com. Right. And go get that free diary, which will help you with your mindset and the confidence that you need when you get on the phone to call these people to be confident enough to do it right and be there to serve that other person. Then to get on the phone with Nadia, go to drnadia.com. Meet with drnadia.com. There we go. Meet with drnadia.com. N-A-D-I-A. There's no period in that. It's not like D-R dot Nadia, right? It's just meet with drnadia.com. Correct. No period. Perfect. So Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this was an extremely valuable call. I got a few pages of notes. Hopefully our listener took down some notes as well. And I know you could have been doing some other stuff, helping some other people. So I appreciate you coming and sharing with my audience. And I just wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thanks,
1: Daryl. Thanks for having me.
0: You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it.